What do you want? When was the last time that a person has asked you this question? And how high was the likelihood that you responded, I don't know. Because so often we don't dare to speak out what we really want. We don't dare to express our intention, our motivation and our deepest wishes. But actually this would be exactly what could make us successful. For example, getting a job, convincing a recruiter in a job interview. And how to do that, how to describe what we really want. This is a concept called descriptive communication, which I want to introduce to you in this episode when I'm interviewing the Helsinki-based career and leadership coach Joppe Kuat-Flieg. And I wish you a lot of fun with this interview, which is full of inspiring ideas, inspiring insights. In the first part, we talk about the concept of descriptive communication. And in the second part of this interview, which will come out in one week, we will talk more about empathy and how these two things, empathy and a good descriptive communication are connected. I wish you a lot of fun listening to it. today again a very interesting interview guest and his name is Joppe Kvartlich. I have practiced the name <laughs> very good it's right so he's a very active uh, career coach in Helsinki and uh, in Finland in general and I had attended one of his events that was called help me help you which had the purpose to connect people and to show them how they could utilize their network efficiently based on asking for help in a, I would say, concrete and conscious way. And I was impressed how efficiently that has actually worked. So this yeah, way of a better, let's say, descriptive and maybe also more empathetic communication, this is what we are going to talk about today. So welcome, Joppa. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Yes. And actually, you are the first male interview guest really? I have in this podcast. So feel honored. <laughs> Thank you. And then maybe for the listeners first, as a, as a brief introduction from your side, who are you? Where do you come from? And what's your professional background? Right. So I'm originally from the Netherlands. I've been living in Finland, Helsinki now for eight or nine years. My background is very diverse. I'm one of those people that When I was very young, I got asked, what do you want to do with your life? And I had no clue. So I tried a couple of different studies, but I've always had a deep interest in communication, in psychology. And I always ask myself the question, why? Especially when people say, oh, this is how it is. I always wonder, why? Why is that? And after many years of working in psychiatry as a sociotherapist, And having worked at a networking company and having worked so much with people, it's almost as if I start to see people as a language. You know, we think of language as language, you know, words, but people also talk about body language. And I realized that to me, a person is communicating a language as a whole. A group is communicating a language and If you synthesize yourself to this, you can start to see it. 
And even though we are all individuals, most of our basic language is actually the same. At least that's how I see it. Okay, interesting. Can I just ask when you say you have always questioned things and wanted to know why? What What is the example of that? Uh, I mean, about wondering about things. Yeah. Well, like, it's, you know, I remember the first time I actually asked myself one of those questions. <clears throat> I must have been something like eight years old. I was standing in the play yard for, from the elementary school, and the boys, all the boys would be playing football. All the boys. And then all the girls, would they would play horse, horses. Uh-huh. And I remember being in the middle of it, literally standing in the middle, looking to the girls and looking to the boys and being like, why? It didn't make any sense to me. I really just genuinely wondered. I'm not sure why I ask myself these questions, but I find it just so intriguing. So a lot of things that people take for granted or they think are normal, I'm like, well, should it be normal? Is it is it helping us in any way or form? Because I really busy and maybe even a little bit obsessed with how can we find balance and happiness what is needed for that and nowadays there are so many books and tricks and weekends and you know uh, therapy and praying and dancing and so many things to help us try and find balance but how much of that stuff actually works how practical is all this knowledge I see a lot of people that they gather this knowledge, but they don't apply it. What's the point then? Mm -hmm. So I like to ask questions to figure out what actually works, simplify it so that people can do it and repeat it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think asking questions is maybe a good keyword <laughs> if we come to a little bit to your uh, your approach that you have developed or discovered and I mean that that podcast spotlight your true self it has these three pillars that I want to cover so first one is self-confidence second one is emotions and then the third one is communication tools to be able to show your authentic self to others and I think that approach that you have of descriptive communication if it fits very well so can you explain a little bit what it is about i'd be very happy to yeah so let me tell you a little bit where it comes from uh so i was working as a career coach and i would have people come into my office and they would present their their cvs their cover letters and stuff like that that confused me because it was like why are you showing me this thing when you haven't even told me yet what it is that you want or need so I started to ask them, what do you want or need? And most of them would look at me with quite a question mark above their head and be like, what do you mean? What do I want? They were heavily focused on what is possible, or at least in their eyes. And I needed to know in order to do my job, what is it that you want? Because otherwise I can't steer you into the right direction or support you. So I realized that it's not an easy question for people to answer. So I needed to ask it in many, many different ways, different body language, different tones to get the effect that I was looking for. And eventually I found like a pathway in communication to get them to answer. And I realized through this that whenever people say they don't know what they want or need, 
that that's probably not true. We do know what we want and need. We seem more uncomfortable expressing it because we don't like to talk about ourselves. And a lot of us don't feel like we deserve that what we want or need. Plus, once we verbalize what we want and need, then all of a sudden we also become responsible for our own happiness and balance to pursue this. And once we start formulating what we want and need, then that also means that we now have to change our life in order to get there. And that can be really confronting because maybe you're not at the right workplace. You're not where you want to be. Maybe you're not with the partner that you actually express you'd want to be with. Maybe you're not in the country where you want to be. Maybe you're not with the friends you want to be. And to change these things are big changes. That's a change of life. So I am a huge fan of asking people, what do you want? But be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, think about it, right? Yeah. Because, okay, now here you go. Now, and But what I love about descriptive communication is that it also presents you with the first step towards that direction. Because once you start describing what you want, it's quite easy to figure out, do I need more information about this to get there? Do I need a reference? Do I need support? Do I need tools? Do I need a location? And so on and so on. And eventually just kind of turn what you want almost into a to-do list of sorts. And I know it sounds kind of dry and practical, but that's why it works so well. Because what do you want? I want this. Well, how do you get there? It is literally that simple. And one thing that I really enjoy is that I ask a person, what do you want? And they say, I don't know. And I just simply answer, but have you tried answering the question? You know, and like, and I really mean that, like answer the question. Mm -hmm. And then often they struggle. And then I'll say, okay, if you don't know, can you guess? Often that already works. And guess what? Probably what they guess is what they want. And even if they can't guess, then I'll ask them the third part, which is, can you make something up? Like literally make something up. Guess what? Often that's what they want. Not, not always, but often that's what they want. Yeah. So de descriptive communication is a tool not to solve problems, not to solve challenges, but to help you get into a mindset where you can move forward literally with anything. Why? Because we are all fully functioning adults. And I know that people might say, well, I'm not that functional, but listen, you came this far. You know, you've done all of this stuff. Like, don't doubt yourself so much. You have the knowledge. Otherwise, you know, you'd be under a bridge somewhere. But we're not. So descriptive communication is a way to help you remember that you know, you know what to do and that you're the one that should do it. Mm, yeah, I think maybe, you know, it, 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 it's aligning quite well of kind of a spiritual approach when people are saying it's all in you already. And I yeah. think that's also what you mean. I mean, you ask people, what do you want? Maybe they don't dare to say it, but then what's the first thing you can come up with? I and mean, I guess if you hear that question, you always have like the first kind of impulse and then it's just 
the question, okay, do I speak it out now or not? Yeah. Like, as you said, do I want to take responsibility for yeah. this? Really saying and then noticing, oh, this is actually not what I have at the moment and I need to take effort to get there and yeah. I have to change something and this is exhausting. That might be painful. That will bring yeah. a lot of new uncertainties. Um, when you have done that with people, what was... Or do you have one or two examples in mind where you where you said, hey, that was the most impressive transformation from a person saying, okay, I don't know, to, hey, I know what I want, and now I start to take action, and I really reach the target? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I am blown away by how well it works. It happens often that it works already. It can it can work already within 20 or 30 minutes. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say it works, I simply mean that you put yourself in a mindset to move forward. It is still up to the person to eventually do something with it, mm -hmm. right? So all I can be is a catalyst for you to get into that mindset, and then you you're supposed to hold on to that. Um, I am I've been blown away. It, it's it it happens consistently that it works on the spot and the easiest way to see it is that i will i will ask these questions i will use the script of communication and then most of the time people are like they have their arms crossed and they're leaning a bit backwards and they, they're kind of like you can tell from their body language they're uncertain and they think that there's like a right answer that they're supposed to answer but then through asking the questions and think about it, like the reason I call it descriptive communication is because it's a lot about describing the thing that you want, describing where you want to be. Then once people let go of the idea that there's a right answer, and I simply do that by saying there is no right answer, there's only your answer. And then they describe the thing that they want in detail. All of a sudden, they uncross their arms and they lean forward and their eyes open and their body language relaxes because they're talking about themselves. They're talking about, they're expressing an authentic feeling, an authentic thought, and this time without censoring themselves. So in a way, and this is not really true, but in a way, I'm giving them permission for a change to do this. Meaning that in normal day life, we feel like everybody has these expectations of what to answer and how to answer and what you're supposed to think. So within 10, 20, 30 minutes, we can get to a point where somebody for a change is saying what they actually feel and think. And every single time that happens, that's magic to me because that's all I'm aiming for, that, that singular moment. So I, I, have, I have plenty of stories of that. I'm thinking, actually, I'll, yeah, sorry for the long answer. Now no I just remember the next <laughs> you one. You have cool all example. the space to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I had this lady in front of me, and I asked her, what do you want? And she said, I don't know. I'm like, okay. Then I start doing my thing, and I ask her, um, what, do you, uh, what, do you, what do you do? What do you, what, what are you aiming, like, what are you roughly aiming for? And she goes like, well, I'm a trained chef. And then I thought, well, but nobody just becomes a chef for the heck of it, that there's something behind that. And I asked her, uh, why did you, why are you interested in cooking? And she goes like, well, I studied it. 
well, that's a very silly answer. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? Like, you, you, that doesn't make any sense, right? Started somewhere before that. So I asked her, okay, what's your earliest memory of cooking? And she starts telling this beautiful story of how she's sitting on the kitchen counter and her grandmother is cooking and cutting the vegetables. And she's telling about the wrinkled hands of her grandmother and how the water is boiling. And as soon as she's doing that, then her uh, uh, demeanor changed. She leaned forward, her arms uncrossed, and exactly the thing happened. And immediately I go like, <laughs> I say to her like, what do you mean you don't know what you want? I can tell this is what you want. And as soon as I say that, I can tell that she was reminded of this. And she looked at me and she goes like, oh, you're right. And the reason why I find that so impressive is because when we started, she said, I don't know what I want. And here we are. So all I did was help her remember why she started this in the first place. Mm. But the interesting thing is now, and I mean, it's a really beautiful story. Um, but I mean, describing that, I mean, her own story, like going into the details, how she had made the food with her grandmother I mean, this is not even at a state like, you know, that kind of risk that we had mentioned before of I am saying something and then I am responsible for that. I mean, this is just a description of like her own experience, yeah. like going into the details. And I think this is also, I mean, as you said, this is kind of where the magic happens. And this is also the advice that you get very often when you go to a job interview or when you give, when you give a speech, like when you do public speaking, this kind of zooming in and going into yeah. the details and make yeah. it lively. What I'm just wondering, like what what hinders people to do that like it seems to be so natural like as you said we all know we should do it but when we are asked why are we at the first instance just motivated to give a super general answer without sharing all that uh i have an idea on that but actually maybe if you're interested we can try it a little bit if you're curious yeah yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's keep it very simple. Well, we won't go into anything personal. Mm -hmm. All I want you to try is go inwards and feel the difference. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, can you name me a food that you really like? Chocolate. chocolate. Okay, <laughs> chocolate, right? Yes. Why do you like chocolate? Um, because it's, it's sweet. It always has a special taste. I mean, there are plenty of types of chocolate. It's always kind of, you know like a special taste like if you remember it from the childhood it was like for christmas or for easter or in the summer or related to ice cream so with fruits or or whatever there is always that connection of you you get something special it's it's a special taste it's something you get as a as a gift from your mother from your granny yeah okay thank you very much okay so <laughs> keep that feeling Yeah. What this means to you? Yeah. Let's try this out. Do you have a memory of a Christmas or anything like that where you're having chocolate that maybe you got as a gift or sharing with family? Yeah. Yeah? Can you describe that to me? That memory? Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it was in the evening, like Christmas Eve. We were sitting like, 
on the couch, uh, me and my family under the Christmas tree, exchanging presents. It was that warm, cozy atmosphere in the room, like with a lot of lights, uh, very warm feeling, some Christmas music in the background, like, you know, and this festive and very, very familiar atmosphere, like the core family being together, everyone happy, everyone grateful about the presence that we've got. And yeah, you unwrap your 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 gifts and 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 you share that chocolate and you're happy about the things that you that that you get. Yeah. How did that feel? Um yeah, it's very like special, peaceful in a way, also a certain way of gratefulness mm -hmm. and that kind of yeah also being being connected to my family exactly so if you now compare your first description and now this <laughs> description how do yeah. you feel yes yeah i mean yeah exactly it's, it's much more concrete so yeah. i have a question yeah. for you yeah why didn't you answer the second uh, answer first ah uh. Yeah, because I think, yeah, I thought more like, you know, on a general level. Yeah. And or I believe that is... I maybe tried still to get a little bit more into the details. I mean, not say, okay, it's it's like, you know, it's a sweet taste. It's 50% fat, 50% sugar. And here we go. Um, yeah. But yeah, of course, if you're not asked about a very concrete situation, maybe you don't think about it. I think it has to do with the fact that we're actually taught by environments to give general answers. Yeah. We have we are taught to talk in platitudes. We're not mm -hmm. taught to talk in details. We're mm -hmm. not taught to think about what is it about this. This is super common. And I've noticed with descriptive communication, at first for a lot of people, it can be rather uncomfortable because there's me looking at people going like, tell me more, mm -hmm. go into it. Yeah. And then when people have to tell more, they have to show a part of themselves. They have to be more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Because indeed, as you said, you know, in your second example, you're all of a sudden talking about family and connection, like, woof, you know. Mm -hmm. So imagine that we're talking about instead about uh, you have some challenges at work or you have a challenge with a partner. It's very, it's very vulnerable. But what I have seen and observed a lot is that once we get to the point where we start describing these things for some reason that i haven't figured out yet we become more courageous and i think it has to do with the fact that so often in life we're busy with what other people want and need and as long as we're doing that we're chipping away at our sense of self our own identity we're pushing ourselves away for the needs of others or society or teachers or mentors or work. Once we start describing, how, how is this for me? It's almost a childlike moment. Mm. This honesty coming out and you realize from that somehow, hey, I can, I know, I know this. I'm, I'm a fully functioning person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that reference to children, I think that's really good because I think if you observe children talking, they are doing exactly that, right? I mean, if they come from, hey, I have been to the zoo at the weekend and then they yeah. start like, oh, there yeah. was this elephant yeah. and it was yeah. that big and I had these ears and it was eating that. So, yeah. yeah, I think maybe until somebody tells them like, hey, 
keep it short. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly what happens, right? Yeah. yeah, we're taught in schools to sit quiet and keep our mouth shut. And often we find ourselves in relationships, whether it's work or personal, where, where people say you can tell me everything, but the opposite is true. Mm, Often yeah. we're being, it happens that we get punished for speaking up. Mm. And this is why, obviously, uh, for descriptive communication, me as a, as a catalyst is very important because I'm not judging you. All I'm interested in is hearing your truth. That is, this is what I meant earlier when I said that don't tell me what you think is the right answer. Tell me what you want to answer. Very freeing. When you're now saying that you are the catalyst for that descriptive communication and, and you have seen that it is so powerful that people really know to say, what do I actually want? What are other fields where descriptive communication could be applied? I mean, not just in job search or career coaching. And then how could that environment, let's say, catalyze it? I mean, if you are not there, but you know, somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my main goal in this case is to make it functional for people at work. I would like to train specifically leaders. Mm -hmm. And as I said, the point is not to solve problems. I'm not an accountant. I'm not an HR person. I can't help you with that. I can simply put you in the mindset that problems don't seem like problems anymore. And I would like to, this is kind of my gift, my mission to the world. Um, technically speaking, you can, I hate using the word stuck, but anybody who's stuck with anything can use this. It's rather simple. What was the second part of your question? Um, yeah, who, I think you answered it already. Like who could catalyze or act like, like, like a catalyst, as you said, but then if you right. say you're coaching leaders, I guess then you would like to train them that they do yeah. the same thing that you do already with your coaches. Yeah. So I also hope that it rubs off, right? That if a leader asks a employee, uh, you know, the question, uh, where do you see yourself in a year? And the employee just says, yeah, uh, leading a team. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You should How not do say, you... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then I hope that the leader who I have done this with goes like, okay, leading a team. How does that look like? Mm. In what department? What do you want to achieve? You know, imagine yourself standing in front of your employees as a team leader. What do you want for them? You know, these kind of questions. I feel like very often in meetings, there is such a rush to get things done that people always think that they have to know everything. So if they get asked a question, can you do it? They say yes, even though they don't know. And that creates a lot of problems, a lot of stress that creates burnout and burnout creates a lot of, uh, what do you call it, turnover? Mm, yeah. So these techniques are simple. They work if people are willing to try them out and also be patient enough because mm. you can't do this in a rush. Yeah. You can't do it in a hurry. Yeah. If now somebody is listening who is already working as a leader, do you have one two or maximum three quick tours or, or or tips how like such a person could start like immediately maybe from tomorrow onwards to integrate a descriptive communication in the workplace 
unfortunately not because it's not a trick this is what i meant earlier when i say I, i'm a huge believer in practical tools this is something you have to learn and i have an analogy mm-hmm. if you want to learn karate or to play the saxophone can you give me two tips it doesn't work right actually you could read all the books in the world on playing a saxophone can you play the saxophone nope you will have to do it it's a lot of about repetition it's a lot about actual practice so leadership would have to practice with me if they see a value in it having said that there is one uh, add-on to descriptive communication that i use a lot that is very easy to learn and that i can give as a tip and this is a trick and i use it myself i'll introduce it a little bit Mm -hmm. i'm dutch we dutch we talk a lot and when I was, uh, before I came to Finland, I would speak very fast and a lot. And I would constantly interrupt people because in a country of 18 million people, that's so small. If you don't interrupt each other, you don't get to say anything. <laughs> and uh, every Friday in Finland, I would have beer with my friend Yanni after work. And I would just be ranting on blah, 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 very fast. And he would let me speak. He wouldn't stop me. After four or five times of meeting, I started to notice this and I got quite embarrassed. I was like, oh, damn, I'm just talking like a maniac. I'm not letting him finish. Uh, I'm not letting him say anything. So then I started to practice with to stop talking. (laughs) Uh And then I noticed that what he did was he would actually even wait. And in the beginning, I didn't understand if I would start talking, why he would wait And then I learned that he would wait to see if I was actually done talking. And this is how my journey started to learn to speak more slowly and more clearly and making space for other people to speak. I use this now daily, every day of my life, whether this is in an interview, whether it's in a meeting. And this leads to the following tip. If you're a leader, and you want to give space to your employees to say something and create the ability for yourself to listen, is to talk slower. Talk two times too slow. If you talk two times too slow, you're probably talking at the right speed. And it makes you also speak more clearly and concise. And why is that? Well, because if you speak slowly, you have time in between words and sentences to think a little bit. If I'm speaking very fast and I don't have any time to think, then it doesn't, you just can see, right? Also, talking slowly makes you talk less because you're more concise. Mm. And this is something every leader can do. Again, practice comes in place, though. You have to do it also. That was the first part of the interview. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it. The second part will come out in one week. Don't miss it. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And in the second part, you will hear more about the topic of empathy and why this is especially important when you are leading a team, when you are a manager and what are concrete situations in your daily work where you notice, are you actually acting empathetic or not? 
Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you had some inspiring insights on your journey to spotlight your true self. If you don't want to miss the next episode, then please subscribe to this podcast and you would make me very happy if you would give this podcast a rating if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and if you would recommend this podcast to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues or whoever where you think this person would find support in the topics that I am discussing here. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can find me on LinkedIn and on Instagram under at michaela.ketner.fi. And if you find it challenging to spell my German name, you can find, of course, all the contact details in the show notes of this podcast.